You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. If you come with me to Luke chapter 13, we'll read a passage there and then we will touch a few other places and we'll take it from there. Luke 13 verse 10. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years, and was bent over, and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to walk. Therefore come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or donkey from the stone? And lead it away to water it. So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? 17 says, And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. I'm touching this, you know, uh, at beginning from this account because of a particular statement our Lord Jesus made. Verse 16, our Lord Jesus said, Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, he said what? Think of it. Think of it for 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. I want you to, you know, try and get an overview of God and Christianity and the Word of God and maybe it will help to narrow and to properly locate ourselves and God's purpose and God's desire for us wherever we are. In Genesis, from Genesis chapter 1, we see God creating his world. The Bible says, in the beginning God did what? Created the heavens and the earth. Okay? And at the end of verse chapter 1, or is it chapter 2? Chapter 2, yes. The Bible says, God looked at everything that he made and what did he say? He said, it was very good. It was very good. Praise God. So we see God Almighty, praise God, creating good things, making things excellent, making things lovely. Praise God. I think it was um, who, who was sharing our Get Connected that was telling us how beautiful, okay? He, he made it beautiful and he said it was very good. Now, the world you and I live in today, is it still very good? Praise God. It's not, it's not very good. But the world God intended for you and I to live in, the world God created, 
was very good. Praise the Lord. Very good word. Everything excellent. Praise the Lord. Everything excellent. Even to Adam. Adam's wife was exactly what he wanted. He saw her and he said what? Wow, man. He said, this is it. Praise God. Some of us, our wives now, our husbands, we, would have, we wouldn't have minded if they adjusted some things. I don't want to, you know, look in any direction, you know. But what Adam got from God was what? Just the way he designed it on his computer. Everything was good. But in Genesis chapter 3, something happened. The Bible mentioned a name that we know very well. It said the serpent, the devil, who was very cunning, came in. And what did he introduce? He came in and introduced evil into God's world. And from then on, we look at that place. In fact, let's read 14. We may read 14 to 24, but let's look at 14. Verse 14 of Genesis 3 says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, no doubt what, because you have what? Done this. From then on, after the serpent, they get to the man. After the man, they get to the woman. And if you go down to verse 24, 23, 22, 23, 24, we see where man, 23 says, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. He says, Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden to till the ground from which he was taken. Man wasn't supposed to till the ground. Man was supposed to tend and keep. Praise God. So it means the ground would have brought forth things and then would have just been what? Tending and keeping it. Okay? It says, therefore God sent him out of the garden. And from then on, if you go on to chapter 4, chapter 5, we begin to see all kinds of evil manifesting in this beautiful world that God created. What am I saying? If you believe Genesis 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, as it flows on, then one thing you must establish as a Christian is that God is good. Praise God. God is good. God is, ex you know, if there is a word extremely, extremely, to infinity good. Praise God. However, evil and the devil is what? Extremely. Extremely. To infinity what? Bad. Anywhere he comes, he spoils things. The devil is a spoiler. He's the, he's the originator, the instigator of everything that is evil. We saw how he came in. He came in, what we call it is that man ate the forbidden fruit. Man disobeyed God. But from there, man killed man. A brother killed his brother. Praise God. From there, all kinds of things started coming in. But the origin of it was somebody, the devil, who introduced evil in God's world. Now, if you go through the scriptures... And if you even want to jump from then on to the New Testament or to the covenant given to the children of Israel, you'll see something there. That God, being good, must continually judge evil. Praise the Lord. You see, it's something that you need to take time and let it sink into you. God, being good, 
must, if he's good, what must he do? He must judge evil. Now, when we think somebody good, we think of grandparents that allow grandchildren to get away with everything, isn't it? That's not being good. That's being a, what word is that now? Indulging. The grandparents are just indulgent. They, they, they're not good. Because you see, if you allow a child, I saw a movie recently, and it told of, um, the, the movie was supposed to be about the, the black man, the life of the black man in America. And in this movie, there was a woman who had a young son, and the husband already, you know how it is, you know, was in jail, was already put in jail. So the father of this boy was in jail. And as this boy was growing up, he was manifesting some, you know, actions, you know, drought a knife on a guest in the house, and, you know, little, little things he was doing in the house. And the mother was not stern enough to discipline him. You know what now happened? A few moments, a few days later, this same young man drew the knife on some white couple. Now, I'm sure he never intended to use the knife. But you see, he had gotten the knife and always held it so he'll be flipping it. So when this guest in the house looked for his trouble, he brought out the knife and the man wanted to deal with him severely. But the mother said no. You know, walk the man out of the house. Now... This boy now went to some private park in someone's, you know, how a community that had a private park and was seated. And this white man went to him to say, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? You know, this is a private park. You need to leave. The boy didn't talk, you know, but he was frustrated. He was angry. He now brought out the knife and just showed it to the man. You know how it is. They called their police. In a few minutes, the police was there. They took the guy. The boy ended up in prison. Now, the question is this. Did the mother love him? She wasn't loving. Because if she really loved him, she could have dealt with that thing so well that it would not manifest outside. You see, oftentimes as parents, you know, this is on the side, we allow things in the home that we think is love, but all we're saying is that we're allowing it to groom so that it will be dealt with outside. Many people police is arresting outside, they would have been saved that trouble if things were done well at home. Praise God. So God is good, but God is not indulgent. God told us from Genesis 3 that his beautiful word, God didn't mind. He said, now the ground is cursed for your sake. The same beautiful ground he made. What am I saying, people of God? You and I have come into a relationship, into sonship, into this thing, you know, that we have with a holy God, a good God, but this God hates evil. Now, the moment the believer understands these two, you know, this dividing line of the extreme goodness of God on one side, and the terribleness of evil and God's hatred for evil, you begin to understand everything the scripture says. Now, many believers don't like to hear things like this because the common perception is that God is an eraser or a neutralizer. So if I'm born again, it becomes license to do evil and get away with it. It becomes a cover. 
or not even just to do evil, to survive whatever, you know, evil brings. No, God is holy. He says, he says God will judge evil anywhere it is found. But there is good news. Praise the Lord. There is good news. The Bible tells us in John 3.16 what happened. It said, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish. You know why? Because the whole God's wrath on evil, he put it on his son Jesus. So the Bible calls Jesus a propitiation, an appeasement, a conciliator of our sins. So God's goodness is further manifested in that he has to judge the evil I've committed. And the one I may commit tomorrow, God forbid. But he has to judge it. Now, but because he is so good, you know what he does? He looks around, what does he do? How does he not destroy me? You know what he did? He took all the evil and put it upon his son Jesus. And at the cross, what did he do? He crushed his son. Is someone following me? So in Christ Jesus, God's wrath, God's angst, God's anger against evil was what? Was expired. So Jesus took all of it. And then anywhere now, anybody calls upon the name of the Lord. What happens is that Jesus says, I take it for you. Anybody calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. Whosoever runs to him, salvation comes. And you see, if men understand this, I bet you more people will be saved. Because you see, salvation is for those who know that evil is terrible. But unfortunately, what we are communicating oftentimes as believers and when we communicate to unbelievers is that evil is no longer as evil. No, evil is still evil. And anybody that makes the mistake of leaving this world without transferring, having his own evil satisfied, transferred to Jesus and receiving the forgiveness that is in Jesus is in trouble. Do you know Jesus spoke more about hell than he spoke about any other topic? He gave illustrations. He gave warnings. Why? Because he knows that God will judge evil. He would. And he knows that God has provided. So you don't need to suffer. Evil does not need to win. And then secondly, the second good news, the first good news is that God has satisfied his wrath against evil. So the whole world can actually turn around and become as beautiful as it was. Praise the Lord. Do you know that? The whole, everything can turn around. If the whole world calls upon the name of the Lord, we'll have Garden of Eden everywhere now. That's the first good news. The second good news is this, that now God, you see, has decided to empower, like Adat taught us, those of us, those of you and I, who have believed in him, who have come to him, whom he has forgiven, we're no longer just forgiving, praise God. Evil is no longer, the, the judgment or the punishment of evil in our lives is not just satisfied, praise God. You know what he has done? He has given you and I power to do what? To stop evil. He has given you and I power to deal with evil. He has given you and I power to do what? To overcome evil. So the Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 5 I believe. John 1 5. 
talking of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, and the light does what? Shines in the darkness, and the darkness what? Did not comprehend it, cannot comprehend it, will not be able to arrest it. Now, Jesus, after he came from verse 1, John 1 to 5, he's talking about Jesus. In the beginning was the world, the world was God, you know, in him was life, the life was the light of men. All of that was talking about Jesus. But before Jesus left, you know what he said? He said, this thing I was, this thing I came as, you now are the light of the world. You now are the salt of the earth. What has happened? God has said, I'm not only going to save you from the consequences and the power of evil. I'm going to give you the power to also anywhere you go to do what? To deal with evil. Somebody should praise the Lord. It's a big commissioning. We have been empowered. This thing that is so terrible and that God hates, you and I have the power. So everywhere we go, every moment of our lives, we must appreciate. If you can open your Bible, Revelation 1.6, Revelation 1.6 or Revelation 5. 1, 6 says the same thing, 5 and um, 9 and 10. Okay, let's look at 1, 6 first. It says, you have made us one, kings and priests, to his God and Father, to him be glory. Let, let's look at the one in chapter 5, verse 9. says, and they sang a new song, saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. 10, let's return together. And have what? And have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall what? We shall reign on the earth. You see, the king is somebody who is in charge of a domain. Praise the Lord. The king is someone who is running, who is ruling, who is overseeing a domain. And in God, in Christ Jesus, you and I have been made one. We have been made kings. It doesn't matter the human uh, position you occupy. The Bible is saying here, by reason of redemption, by reason of the blood that has satisfied God's wrath on you, you have now been made a king and a priest to our God. What does it mean? It means now that where you are, it can rightly be said that God is there as well. Praise the Lord. It can, it can be taken for granted. You say, what, what's going on there? What's going on there? I mean, just imagine, you know, maybe as a church. You say, what, what's happening there? You say, okay, some people are meeting. You say, but who is there? They say, okay, um, Pastor Lloyd. They say, okay, Pastor Lloyd is there. Pastor is there. Why? Because you know that he's going to do what? Respond in the same way. He's going to represent the values of the kingdom. Are you with me? So the Christian is coming from a background where he understands what is at stake. It's good and it's evil. As simple as it is. Let, let, let's go back to our text now we'll see. The Bible says our Lord Jesus was teaching in the synagogue and a woman was bound with the spirit of infirmity. Now there was in this synagogue now the ruler of the synagogue. He was the, you know, um, maybe, I don't know, not the high priest, but the ruler of this particular synagogue. And this woman, who knows how long she had come. But for 18 years, she had come there, bowed down with this infirmity. 
And finally, Jesus came up and called the woman and said to her, woman, thou art loose, you know, and touched her, and she was healed. Now, look at the man's response. Verse 14. Let's read it together, everybody. It said, but the ruler of the synagogue answered with what? Indignation. Because what happened? On the Sabbath, let's stop here. Going to our background, what is the only thing and the major thing that should cause the Christian indignation? Yes, sin, evil. For today, I'm, I want to use evil because I want us to spread it far. The only thing that should provoke the Christian to indignation is what? Evil, evil. That's what God hates. The Bible tells us, our Lord Jesus Christ says, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with what? With the Holy Ghost and with power. What did he do? He went about doing what? Good. Let me say good. Good. Anywhere he came, people knew God had come. And then what else did he do? Healing all those that were oppressed of the devil. So his appearance established good and uprooted evil. I see how it works now. Everywhere he comes, good is what? Established. Now, this man was indignant that something good had happened. He had an excuse. So let's look at his argument. His argument was, he said to the people, if you want to be healed, he doesn't want to be healed, so he wasn't sick. But if you want to be healed, what should you do? He said there are six days for healing. Come on those six days and be healed. But this Sabbath, don't touch it. Now, what was he keeping the Sabbath for? Sabbath was a day that they should fellowship with God, isn't it? If you understood that God was all about goodness, that's what Jesus kept trying to teach them. Every time he confronted the Jews, he would ask them the same question. He said, please answer me. Is it lawful to do good or evil? You see, at the end of the day, it's brought down there. Now, let me make a point here so that somebody doesn't miss it. We are not now promoting good works, so. Because you see, this good and evil is defined when the righteous requirement of the law is settled through Jesus Christ. A man that is in jail cannot all of a sudden, you know, why being in jail? Determine that from being in this jail now, I'm going to undo the offense I committed. Is it possible? He cannot. You know why? The deed he has done has trapped him. If he tries to get out to get an undo, he will commit another offense, isn't it? Now, all men, all have sinned and what? Come short of the glory of God. So, you see somebody who is not born again, who is claiming and listing the good things he does, tell him you need to come out for, you need to start on the right footing. We learned many, you know, a few Sundays ago, right? Beginning well. The local standard. So, in Christ Jesus, that's where that provision is made. Because in Christ Jesus, you come now and the wrath of God against the evil you were born with as a nature and the evil you have committed by your own actions is what? Washed away in Christ. So, anyone who is in Christ becomes what? A new creation. All things are one. All things have become. Is that new person now that can begin to what? Be an executioner of good. Praise the Lord. So this man said, there are six days to come for healing. But Sabbath, please, don't come and disturb our Sabbath. 
Sabbath, we just want to focus on God. No work must be done. No work must be done. Don't be healed. If you're sick and it gets to Sabbath, make sure you remain sick until after Sabbath. But our Lord Jesus pointed out some very salient things then. Number one, he said, he said, if on a Sabbath you lose your ox and walk it to water it, why do they do that? They do that because it is their ox. Praise God. They do that, why? It's their ox. In another one, he said to them, if your animal, whichever one it was, fell into a ditch on Sabbath, will you leave it and say, today is Sabbath. I will come back after 24 hours. and They will pull it out. Our Lord Jesus was teaching. He said, don't define where you stand based on how it concerns you. Define it on what? Whether it is good or evil. The effectiveness of Christianity has been devalued in our time. Why has it been devalued? Because we have switched what the measure should be. The measure should be what? Good or evil. Not me or you. Praise the Lord. You see, this man was not sick. If he were sick, he would have been glad a healer came to the synagogue on that day. But he wasn't sick, so healing was not on the agenda. Okay? Jesus is saying to you and I, you must understand God's position. And God's position is this. I want to do good. And I will judge evil. Now, this evil God is going to judge, as I understand and I identify with him, Saz and Maz, the first place I begin to judge this evil is not in you, praise the Lord. No, because as we are talking evil now, some people are already planning those that are going to deal with. Our Lord Jesus Christ said to us, he said, before you tell your brother, there is a speck in your eye, he said, make sure you do what? You first remove the log. So the Christian first responsibility is to deal with evil found where? In him. If you truly believe God hates evil and will judge it, purity, holiness will be what? Your pursuit. Somebody won't tell you don't do. Praise the Lord. That's why the Bible tells us that in that day, no man will need to tell the neighbor, don't do this or do that. No. Because you have to, once you know, you know what God likes, you know what he hates. It becomes natural. And you're not going to wait to start it when you go to church. No. You start it in your heart. You start it. You have this understanding. Oh, you deal with it. You deal with it personal. Not even with relation. Just personal on your own. The ones that nobody can see. That's how you know you're a Christian. That's how you know you know God. When you begin to deal with things, pray about things to God to deliver you. Or ask God to deliver from things only you know about. A lot of people don't understand what we're saying. It's basic. God will judge evil. Let me say God will judge evil. Anywhere it is found. Let me, the Spirit of God said, tell them that when evil was placed on my son, see what I did to him. He was bruised by the Father because something was on him. If you believe, you know there are so many things in the scriptures that we hear and we just take the English of it. It says, whosoever shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came into the world to die for sinners, shall be saved. That confession, who is Jesus Christ? He is the Son of God. How did he die? He was crucified. Who allowed it to happen? His Father. Why? He saved for my sins. If you believe that, you will run from sin. 
When people say they are Christians and talk in sin, they are not Christians. You cannot be. How can you be? When the basic confession you're making is saying sin killed Jesus. It's like saying now, Michael Phelps. How many of us know Michael Phelps? Okay. The champion swimmer, right? And they say Michael Phelps tried to swim with his suit and he drowned. Are you going to see me going to pool tomorrow wearing suit? Will anybody swim with suit again? Why? Because if this thing can drown Michael Phelps, who am I? Are you getting it? But So when somebody says, I believe Jesus died for my sins, and then he's comfortable in sin, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't begin to comprehend. Anyway, our lesson for today is that Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, he said, you don't understand where God stands on any issue. God stands on any issues. I am good. The scripture says in him, there is no darkness at all. No darkness. So God will always do good. And that's why our Lord Jesus Christ took time to teach us the way the kingdom works. Okay? He says, if you're going to worship God, and you remember that you have something with your neighbor, he said, please settle with him. Because your neighbor might be going to the shrine, and you might be going to the church. Eh? When God looks at you, he won't say, ah, my son is going to church. God is not a Nigerian. He doesn't do partiality. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, make sure your accounts are clean because God is God. He is good. He will judge righteously. So he's saying, make sure nobody has anything against you. But you see, the way we presented Christianity, or it has been presented to us over time, is that because you're a Christian, you can get away with evil. Because you're a Christian, oh, God will wink at your evil. No, no, no. David was a man after God's heart. Praise the Lord. And when he sinned against God, go and read the Psalms. David said, <laughs> his bones were what? He suffered dislocation. He said, there was nothing that he didn't go through. You can't, as a true Christian, imagine or believe that falsehood. That evil is no longer, if I was reading one man's account the other, he said, you don't even need to confess your sins. This is serious. It's the beginning of the matter. At the end, Jesus was still talking about it in Revelation. But that's not even where we're going. So he said to this man, he said, if you, for your interest, would take your ox out on the Sabbath, why think of it? Now, this is where it gets home to where we're talking about. Think of it. This woman, who is this woman? Who did Jesus say the woman was? He said, a daughter of what? Abraham. That's the word of saying, this woman is my child. Are you following now? Jesus was saying, this woman is my child. And for how many years? 18 years. She has been bound. Now, she was not bound by her laziness. She was not bound by overeating. Praise the Lord. She was not bound by any of those things. He said, has been bound by who? Satan. The name Satan reminds Jesus of the original trouble he began to cause. That's why I say, think of it. Our people have a saying that somebody, how, how do they put this, this saying? I think they say that somebody that a snake killed the mother. When the person sees one, eh, the person will run. Do you understand? 
this same Satan that created the original problem. Jesus, anywhere he went, the Bible says, for this purpose was the Son of God what? Manifested that he might do what? Destroy the works of darkness. He wants to destroy him anywhere. And now, what am I saying? What are we saying? Child of God, that desire, if you catch the heart of God, that desire will come where? Will come into your heart. So your life will no longer be just about your battles. It will be the Lord's battles. Do you know David never fought a personal battle? The few that he was to fight, he transferred it to Solomon. He just told Solomon, remember this person, remember this person, remember this person. And then he died. He left the Wahala for Solomon. Every time David rose up to fight... He fought in defense of what was committed into his hands. When he fought the lion, the lion didn't attack David. The lion came to take one. David is a mean man. Lion just won one lamb. He went and killed lion because of one lamb. He killed bear, another one lamb. He should have allowed them to take the two and there will be peace. But you see, David had no provision to tolerate, to allow the devil. The Bible says, give no place to what? To the devil. The Christian must understand. You must not tolerate evil. Anywhere it's found. Even in you, your wife, your husband, your children. Anywhere. But many Christians caught evil when he's on their side. Because we think God is like Arsenal and Man U. If Arsenal is playing, you want VAR to work against them. Because you're Man U fan. God doesn't have that. He's of purer eyes. And to behold iniquity. Are you understanding what we're saying? You must get this thing. That's where God is. As you walk with him, you must come up and peep from his eyeglasses. And see things just the way he sees it. God is saying, in fact, the Bible helps us. It makes a statement here. Many of us, you know, don't like some of this words. Psalm 97 verse 10, part 8. Let's read together, everybody. Ye that love the Lord, do what? Yes. Now, it's impossible for you and I to say, I love the Lord, but I really don't mind if I'm not extreme. You know, some people are called extreme. Yeah, this thing is extreme. Your own is too much. Abby, you are SU, you're taking it too far. No. Diametrically opposed. They are inversely proportional. You can't love God and have tolerance for evil. Now, I'm not talking about judgment. I'm talking of tolerance for evil. There are two different things. Jesus was God, and yet he looked at the woman caught in adultery. What did he say to her? He said to her, what? I condemn you not. Go and what? The people that brought her to him, what did he say to them? He said, you, if you that have no sin, do what? Cast the first. That is what it is. You see, ordinarily, the weight, the argument was stacked against the woman. But because God is a righteous judge... Do you know people that you come to complain to them that somebody hurts you? Or you're angry with somebody. When you finish complaining, the person will be judging you. Do you know such people? Not judging you. When the person finishes analyzing, you wish you didn't complain to the person. Those people are righteous. My wife is like that. Sometimes I don't complain because when I finish complaining, by the time she finishes, I'll be feeling bad. I say, why did I even waste my time? Do you understand? You see, people are just, a lot of us are just um, party loyalists. If it's my husband, if it's my church, if it's my business, if it's concerning me, if it's my child, then they can't go wrong. You don't know God. 
Ye that love the Lord, what do you do? You hate it anywhere it is found. Starting from yourself. You find it in your neighbor, you deal with it. You find in your love, you deal with it. Why? Because that's where God stands. And anywhere evil is, anywhere evil is striving, Satan is at the root of it. And you don't want that old deceiver, that serpent, that devil. You don't want him to have a foothold anywhere. Praise the Lord, somebody. I'm saying all of this to bring us, you know, to this current situation of our country. The challenge we have as a nation is that Christians in Nigeria don't hate evil. We just want our good. We want our good. If you tune into most churches where the sermon is being preached, it's just about their good. That's why they can be in the office and evil is being perpetrated. As long as it doesn't touch them, or even if it touches them a little but favors them more, they will manage it. But when such mentality, you know, spreads in, we lose the position of kings and our decrees will no longer be able to stand because the king is put in to rule on behalf of the king of kings. And this kingship is not by the official thing. It is by your decree. Say, whatsoever things you shall permit on earth shall be what? But if all the while you've been permitting evil, you know what? They revoke your permittance. If it concerns your son, you say, ah, no, it's okay, they want to write Jamba and Wayek. You buy Expo for him. Then you now want to go and buy the DSS or Mopo that is doing something. They have canceled your right of uh, decree. You can't decree again. When it concerns you, ah, you wink an eye. Ah, hey, in our favor, now in our favor. Somebody shared a testimony with, for us in church many years ago in the other church where we were. How the daughter got an admission. And it was bribe. I say people know they fear God, though. This long story conclude, you know, she, you know, uh, praise the Lord. I gave them 20,000 and they broke. <laughs> Some of you are laughing now when we hear your own. But you see, it's because there's no knowledge of God. There's no knowledge. You don't know what God, you don't know where God stands. And that's why, please forgive me. When sometimes it's as if I'm beside myself. When pastors come to say, I'll never be poor. No. You can, in the place of pursuing righteousness, need to be poor. What you must never be is do wickedness. That's what men of God and Christians should be saying. I must never do wickedness by the grace of God. By the time you're declaring you'll never be poor, you're saying if it's this temptation coming in this area, ah, I go bow. Didn't the Bible say the love of money is the root of what? If I say I will never be, what does it mean? It means it takes preference. This one I can't negotiate here. If you touch my comfort, I'll compromise. That's what he's saying. And let me warn those of us that are saying, don't say I must marry tomorrow. Because that's when the devil will package the devil for you very well. He will come with Jericho's. The only thing you will determine never to do is to support evil. And always stand, against, stand for good. When you do that, you stand with God. People of God, Nigeria is where we are today. Because in the heart, in many congregations, in the heart of many people who are born again, whose sins have been washed with the blood, they don't really hate evil. They just hate inconvenience. They love the good things of life. There's nothing wrong with that. But they hate evil more than it. They love the large things. They love the beautiful things. There's nothing wrong. But hate evil. We read of Ananias and Sapphira in the Bible. Where have we seen them in our world today? 
Everywhere. How many husbands and wives have come for counseling? And the wife is saying to the pastor, Pastor, I will not agree. This my, the money is bringing home. I don't know how he's making it. That wife has not been married. <laughs> but if the man doesn't bring money, that's when you know, look at you, yeah, yeah, man. That's when the pastor will hear your voice. Useless man. The man is not a thief. The man is looking for a job every day. He wakes up in the morning. He does what he's, he's doing his best to make money. But he hasn't made money, so he's useless. But if he's stealing and bringing money, ah, my husband is sweet. He's a darling. Hey, if I come again, I will marry him. But you're a Christian, and when you go to his office, you see the man crushing people's head, maybe taking people's money. It doesn't mean anything to you because what? This one is your team. And then we want to call on the power of God. It's the mercy of God that is not allowing his power to come on Nigeria. Because you won't see many Christians. You see, we are like the politicians. Let me tell you how we are like the politicians. When the politicians perceive there is a problem, they can enact laws and put in systems in place to solve the problem. You know what they do? No, why should they do that? They steal more money to solve the problem. So if there's a problem with Nigerian healthcare, what do politicians do? They steal more money to be able to afford air ambulance and to fly themselves abroad. If there's a problem with the roads, then they get SUVs. If there's a problem with security, then they get armored vehicles. So most of the cars you see driven by politicians, SUVs, are armored because they're keeping themselves safe. Whereas the same people can enact laws and change the system so that everybody is safe. But we don't blame them because even our prayers, that one is even cheaper. We are not also praying for everybody. We are praying for ourselves. I told us on Wednesday, when Ebola came, you see people, it will not touch me and my family. How about, what about the doctor that is going to treat Ebola people? He becomes more righteous than you. If the doctor says it will not touch them, but you occupy a higher post than a medical doctor. You occupy a higher post than a military general. Because you are commissioned by God to be his representative. You are commissioned to deal with evil anywhere it's found. But we don't understand it. We think, you know, you know this thing about God loves us. We have pushed it to the side of delusion. God loves me. Ah, no, I cannot suffer. God loves me. I cannot. Ah, God loves me. No, ah, I can't touch it. Ah, I can't touch pepper. Ah, ah, hey. Ah, God loves me. He loves you more than his son, Abby, Jesus. He loves you more than James. James... Peter and John, they were the three that went to Mount of Transfiguration. Herod beheaded James. God loves you in the sense that he has a place. Jesus said to the disciples, I go what? To prepare a place for you. That where I am, what? You may also be. God loves Stephen. When they were stoning Stephen, Jesus could have just laughed. And the whole stones would have come back like... Um, Boomerang. He would have just come back and started killing the people. But no, God has much interest. He said to Stephen, come, I love you. So Stephen said, I'm coming. And they gave clearance. Stephen went up. And in all of that, what was Stephen's desire? He said, Lord, these people don't know what I did. Don't put this charge against them. And today we have Saul of Tarsus from that group becoming Paul the Apostle. Because somebody understood that Christianity was not about him. It was not about his ox. There is an enemy. We have one single enemy. And it's not you, it's not you, it's not you. It's not a lack of rent. It's not lack of husband. It's not lack of children. If you make the whole body you carry as a Christian, all those things, you miss the whole point. The constitution of Christianity says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and what? What is his kingdom? You're a king ruling his domain. 
How many of us have knelt down and traveled in prayer for something that doesn't concern us? Your child wrote jam and you saw the corruption or why egg? You know, and you saw the corruption. In, did it become a prayer point, a burden? Lord, cleanse our educational system. Lord, cleanse our educational system. Or you determine that school that they say they have a war of scoring A1s. And you know the way that they get the A1s. I must save enough money to send my child to that school. That's your solution. Lord, prosper me. So you jump and pass the problem. The evil is still there. And heaven is saying, I've made you kings and priests. You know, God is not going to come down again. Jesus said to us, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. I tell people, our problem is not what the unbeliever, it's not what the um, you know, extreme Islamists are doing in Nigeria. Our problem is that we don't have people who know God. The people who we call Christians are nothing. They're not, uh, they don't measure at all. They don't know what's up. They think it's a joke. You know, recently, with the things that are happening now, how many politicians with their nice cars will drive either in the west or to Kaduna Road? You can't drive. It's coming home. Because the thing about evil is this. When you think evil is far, that's why the Bible says, do not give it place. When you think it's far, it's not touching you. It has a way of just growing and just growing until there is no alternative. And you know what happens when such a thing happens? You will not now have any standing your conscience won't even let you cry out against it. I was thinking, I have a friend who is running for governorship, and it just occurred to me that when I speak to him, I'm going to tell him, when those politicians ask you for money, you know politics is business in Nigeria, when they ask you for money to support them, tell them you'll give the money to their generations coming. What it means is this, if you do well, the people who have collected the money, where their generations, the cities, the towns are destroyed. But if you get a leader that leads well, you leave infrastructure, you leave justice, you leave governance, you leave security, you leave everything for the people that are coming. Which one is more beneficial? But the devil has blinded the minds of people. And I don't even blame the unbeliever. They have no choice. They worship mammon. But you that worship God, why do you make judgments based on mammon? I mean, if an unbeliever says, ah, I'm doing this thing, say why? Ah, the money they there plenty. I can understand. What should a believer say? I'm doing this thing ah, because God will be pleased with me. That's it. But how many people tell you that? Is there money in it? Ah, money there, there. I got a new job. What's happening? There's money. Even churches, they use money to determine. Ah, that church. Ah, they dedicate uh, jeeps every Sunday. And we miss the essence of what God is saying. We miss the essence of what this whole thing is all about. God has called you and I to stand in his stead, to be people, men and women. The Bible says of our Lord Jesus Christ, it says, the government shall be upon his what? Shoulders. Who are we? We are the body of Christ. We are his church. We are government. We don't have to sit in the parliament. We don't have to. We don't have to occupy a big office. Even just examine your prayers. Examine your burden. What burden are you carrying? What is giving you sleepless nights? Is it matters of good and evil? Or is it only when it concerns your ox? The ruler of the synagogue said, please, please, don't come here and obstruct us. We are doing fine here. But Jesus said, but on Sunday, he said, oh, no, that, that's our personal one. So you call people for prayer. And they won't come. Except the prayer is that what? All my enemies must fall and all my enemies must fall and 
You call people for prayer. Say, let's pray for Nigeria. Nobody's responding. But you start praying. Every promotion that is my own, it must come today. You see people excited and gingered. God loves you beyond your imagination. And every need, everything that concerns you, God knows. He say your heavenly father knows the things that what you have need of. He knows. He said, we must understand this. Take the position of a governor in Nigeria or the president. All his needs are taken care of by the state. Care of by the state, isn't it? You know why the state does that? So that he can take care of the needs of the state. The same way as a believer. God says, I will take care of what concerns you. So that you can be my representative. You can be my voice. You can be the one that stands for me. Let's rise on our feet as we go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to see. I want you to understand. I want you to appreciate the background. If you just get Genesis 1, 2, and 3, I'll be fine. That's the whole thing that we're talking about. There is evil in the world. And this evil is everywhere for those who are, you know, running away from Nigeria. The evil is everywhere. How many of us know about a man named Epstein? You see, all, all these conspiracies are everywhere. Evil is everywhere. Because it's not a local problem. Is a problem that started from beginning. But God has a solution. The sons of the kingdom have been spread all over the world. So everywhere you are, everywhere you find yourself, on Wednesday we said to ourselves, God appointed me, God chose me, God ordained me, and God sent me to where I am today. You are sent to Nigeria. Say to yourself, I'm sent to where I am. Let me not say sent to Nigeria because some people will resist me. I'm sent to Nigeria. Praise God. Yes, I was in Lagos. I didn't want to come. God said, go there and do a work for me. So I'm here like a military general standing on his post. Praise the Lord. Every one of us here, heaven knows everything about you. And everything your eyes have seen. Everything your ears have heard, everything in your office that has passed your table, every decision, every story, everything that you have heard, God is expecting you to be a king in that situation. And that's why the anointing was given to us. Jesus said to the disciples, I'm going to empower you because this contest is not a private battle. The Bible makes us understand that no man goes to war at his own expense. On Wednesday, I told the businessman here, if you're a businessman here, you must understand what this thing is about. If you're a businessman and you don't aggressively support the work of the kingdom financially, you don't know what business is about. You're a subsistence businessman. Means you will get enough to pay your rent, to pay school fees, okay? Drive some nice cars, go on holiday, maybe build a house. But if you understand what this thing is about and understand that the work of the kingdom requires finances, you will see that your business as one supporting the king's treasury. And when you stand, you stand for God. Then you can ask for the heaven. You can ask for the hidden. You can ask for big things. And then it will be given to you. But if you don't understand it and you think that the little God has given to you, you can it and bear it, you don't understand. God will continue to bless you, but he won't pass through you. He will give you what is enough for you. But when you understand that you are a king, the resources of the king, the Bible told us of Solomon, and the Bible told us of the number of cattle that was slain in his house every day. It wasn't Solomon eating it now. Praise God. It wasn't Solomon. There was provision 
that people will be coming, hundreds of people, and that on Solomon's table, there'll be provision. When God sees that you know yourself as a treasurer, as a king, concerning finances, they will send resources to you that no matter how much you give, you will have an abundance. The Bible says this blessing will pursue you and do what? And overtake you. That's what happens. The same way, anywhere you are in an office, God will continue to back you up as long as you know why you're there. The devil that will approach you has not been born. Anything that will be done will be shifting you to a more strategic location. That's the way it works. Because there are just two sides. Let me say there are just two sides. Good and evil. I want you to go to the Lord now and ask him. The same thing he did for our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10, 38. He said, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Lord, anoint Ikena of the Father's church in Abuja. And now use your name. Say, Lord, anoint me. So that from this moment onwards, from this moment onwards, I will be a terror to evil. I'll be a propagator of good. When I'm driving on the street, in the place where I live, in the place where I work, amongst my friends, good will prosper by me. Evil will be destroyed by me. I want you to desire that anointing. I want you to desire. In whatever form is manifested, every work of the devil, is it deception? Is it lack? Is it sickness? Is it the work? Is it demonic oppression? Every work of the devil, you will no longer survive around me. In fact, I'm going to go out of my way and look for you. Never. I've been chosen and anointed for this. God has done a work in me. And he expects me to carry on that work. I'm a king for him. I'm a king. I'm a king. I'm royalty. My word is listened to. The Bible says angels listen to the voice of our command. They respond. I will not see myself as just existing. In fact, I'm no longer a victim. I'm strategic in what is happening. The events of this country, I will speak. Listen, you don't have to be in the news. Provided your voice is heard in the heavenly places. You don't have to be in the news. In the place of prayer. You're raising your voice. You're binding the works of the devil. You're decreeing things. You're not siding with evil. You're not getting excited at evil. You hate those who hate the Lord. And you love those who love the Lord. That's what Jehovah is calling you to. That's the anointing that has been given to us. And child of God, when that happens, I bet you this Jehovah knows how to take care of every bit of your life. He will take care of every bit of your life. He does take care of every bit of your life. He knows, he knows. I want you to desire earnestly from today. Lord, help me. Starting from myself. Any evil, any root of evil, any work of darkness, anything I've accommodated, anything I've tolerated in me that is evil. Lord, I understand now that you would judge evil and you hate evil. Let today be the last day. I pray for deliverance. You can pray for deliverance for, for yourself. I receive the power to break free from every hold every hold every hold every hold the devil I'm, I will not be an accomplice I will not be an accomplice I will not lend my voice I will not lend my hands I will not lend my feet I won't even lend my silence I will stand up against it 
so that my decrees can be respected in heaven so that my voice can activate heavenly response I refuse I want you to pray this prayer sincerely and fervently please because the world is looking for you the world is waiting the Bible says the earnest expectation of creation is waiting is waiting in fact the Bible says God subjected the creation into future in hope he's expecting that a king will come there he's expecting that a deliverer will come there Lord find me find me find me a deliverer find me oh Lord you use men like David you use men like Daniel you use people like Mordecai Lord you use these ones for yourself and where they were became extensions of your kingdom Lord we're in Nigeria I want you to begin to pray for this nation now Lord because I'm here you will use me evil will not have the last word evil will not have the last word raise your voice I'm anointed for this time. God didn't make a mistake. I was looking at my life. I was born just at the end of the civil war. So I began to ask, what then was I born for? If I had born me during the civil war, maybe I would have been a sergeant in the army or something. But he said, no, it wasn't for that time. There's a season now. And this morning you're saying, Lord, anoint me for this season. Equip me for this season. Let my name count. The Bible says there are records taken in heaven. Let it be said in the year 2019. Brother so-so-so, Mr. so-so-so, Sister so-so-so. She prayed this prayer and heaven took it. She bound the devil and the devil was bound. She bound the killer has men and they were bound. She scattered and he was scattered. Lord help me. In Jesus name we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. Listening to a message by Pastor Ikenaokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09 290 9000 or 073 You can find us online at www at thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you